Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. I tell you, man, when I start start doing these recordings, boy, my, my, my heart gets pumping because normally when I'm doing this, I'm, I'm usually amped up. And uh, today, no exception. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And let me tell you why, man. I don't know if you can tell. The sound might be a little tighter today. And what I mean by that is less echoing. And you're like, Travis, if you've been here since episode one, you're like, Travis, I know you didn't make any adjustments because you said in the beginning of doing your podcast that you weren't technologically savvy, right? And that you weren't going to uh, make a bunch of adjustments because you wanted this thing to sound real and not perfect. Well, let me tell you something, man. I didn't adjust any of the settings. You know what I did? Boom, episode 46 coming live to you from my fucking farm. First time ever, baby, recording out here in my happy place. Let me tell you what I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at horses in the stable, all right? I'm looking at donkeys across the field eating. I'm looking at pecan trees blowing in the wind, and I'm looking at other pastures, and I couldn't be more fucking happy and I might not even say shit. I might just sit here and smile the whole episode like this. Y'all hear that? That was nothing but smiling going on. You know how how good it feels to actually feel good? Like how amazing it feels when you actually feel great. And I think a lot of times we lose track of that. We lose what it like. We, we, we forget what it felt like to feel good. I know I have certainly felt like that over the years. And I had so many just, I wouldn't even say bad days, but I had so many days that were just mundane, bogged down, and you didn't feel great. But man, when you actually feel fucking great, you feel indestructible. You feel like nothing can stop you. When you're in your element and you're thriving, everybody around you is so much better. It's just an amazing feeling, man. I actually have chest pains right now because I'm so happy. (laughs) If I have a heart attack on here, I actually... I don't know if I can edit that part out, but we'd have to find somebody that would come in, find my dead body and be like, oh, this motherfucker was recording and we need to go ahead and upload this to his host site. So so the good people that do support him can can hear his final moments that got a little dark. But 
Look, I'm glad to be here. Episode 46, finally recording at my farm. I've moved my studio. Um, I'm hoping it's for good. I'm giving this a little test run. We'll see what happens. The reason I'm giving it a test run is because I have been away from uh, home, not my farm, but I left home. I left the I left the farm two and a half weeks ago, or I left home two and a half weeks ago when I had to go on the road. I had to go up to Fort um, Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I had to teach two post-traumatic purpose courses at the um, the uh, first responder school. Damn, I fucked the name up. Um, it's the first responder school in Indi- in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then I had to go to South Bend, Indiana and teach three courses, post-traumatic purpose. And I also had to do a comedy event in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let me tell you how that went. Boy, that shit was great. I look, man, first of all, you can't beat. this is why I love what I do because although I'm off the job for 11 years, okay, I still get to be on the job. I still get to network and talk and I get to go and have spaghetti dinner. Fort Wayne had me over, um, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm going to say it, but I got to sit down at firehouse, have dinner, and I got to be around people that I love. And then I got to go teach courses and uh, do a comedy event. And here's the crazy thing. So in, in Fort Wayne, after the two shows, so my dumbass, I actually chose not to fly this time because I hate, I hate being around people in airports now. And uh, I was like, I'm just going to drive and halfway up there. I was like, man, I should have, I should have flew. <laughs> so Anyway, I do my two events in Fort Wayne, and then that day, the final evening was a Tuesday night. I had a comedy event, and it didn't wrap up till probably 10.30 at night. And uh, then I had to get on the road at 10.30 at night and drive all the way up to um, South Bend, Indiana, where I would check into my hotel. I got in there around 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. I was tired as shit. Had to get up 8 o'clock that morning, teach a class. I actually, my class started at 8, so I was up at 6.00. And I was just grinding, man. And, and, I, and I was reminding myself, just like episodes past, where I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to run myself into the ground. That's exactly what I did. I ran myself right into the fucking ground. And then I was in South Bend for three days, um, teaching post-traumatic purpose to my brothers up there. Um, I was actually teaching their uh, all their company officers, which was really cool. And then as soon as my class ended there on the uh, on a Friday, I got in the car and drove back 12 and a half hours straight to my farm. Didn't even go home. So fuck that place. I'm going to my farm. I'm going to my happy place. I was here all Thanksgiving week. And I hope you guys have a lot to be thankful for. And I'm going to tell you right now, I certainly do. Um, you know, we, we always talk about as first responders, we always see the worst in things. And it's hard to have moments of joy because when there are joyous moments, I think a lot of times our past will not let us not see the danger, right? Well, we have, we have fucking horses out here on a farm and my girls are always wanting to ride them. We don't have saddles or anything. Cause I retired these horses out here. I've already told the story. They're older horses and they, they, they were ridden years ago, but for some reason, man, my girls won me. They're like, daddy, we want to sit on the horses backs. So over the, over the last couple of weeks, I slowly just put them on the horses' backs. And the horses were cool, man. They always just sat there. So Thanksgiving Day, all that changed. Um, Thanksgiving, my family came over. My wife's family came over. Everybody was over here. We had um, sister-in-laws, brother-in-laws. We had all kinds of shit going on over here. And I grabbed my youngest, Poppy, and I looked at her. I said, you want to show your Aunt Jessica how you, uh, that's my sister. I said, you want to show your Aunt Jessica how you ride a horse? And she goes, yeah, daddy. And she was all excited. And this is me 
trying to be different. This is me making a change in my life to where I am trying not to see everything as a threat. And I'm trying not to see the danger in things versus, you know, not versus, but actually trying to see the good and I'm trying to enjoy moments. And that's hard for me. That's hard for me because I see the danger. Although I've never been, um, cause when I was a fireman, I was always in a city and I was never a rural firefighter. So I never saw horse injuries and shit like that. And tractor injuries. Like you, you hear about, I grew up in the country, but I, I was never exposed to that. Um, I fell off of a fucking horse when I was 12 years old, actually thrown into a pond. Um, boy named Skippy Toomer had a horse and then we, well, you tell me I wasn't ready for Brokeback Mountain. I just missed, I missed the goddamn casting for that show. Check this out. So me and Skippy, dude's name is Skippy. And I don't remember his horse's name, but his daddy had a shrimp boat. And his shrimp boat was called a Yellow Jacket. And I remember one time I got on the radio because it had a radio at his house. And I, and I like, I started fucking with the entire fleet of um, shrimp boats. And I was like, this is the Yellow Jacket. I'm going down. And I mean, I mean, I started and people were freaking out. It was, it was his whole thing. But anyway, that's another story. But Skippy wanted to go ride a horse. And I had my dog. This was a fucked up day because I had my dog Pee Wee with me. You know, Pee Wee was my grandma's dog. Grandma gave me Pee Wee. Pee Wee's a little mutt. And she said, you take good care of Pee Wee. So I was like, all right, man, I'll take him to Skippy's house. So I took him to Skippy's. And we went riding a fucking horse. And uh, the horse threw me off, threw me into a pond and took off and almost decapitated Skippy on a, on a tree, tree limb. Um, well, actually let me back up. I actually did experience a horse injury one time. I see you forget things as a first responder. I went to school with a girl who's 15. Actually, she got killed on a horse. Um, I don't remember her name, but her brother's name was JR, but she got killed on a horse the exact same way. Skippy almost got busted up. She, that horse took off running down a trail and my understanding was that a branch hit her, killed her, 15 years old. So fast forward, I'm getting thrown off in the pond, whatever. I go home, and I forgot Pee Wee. And uh, Skippy called me when I got home because we didn't have cell phones, this motherfucker. And uh, Pee Wee got ran over in the middle of Highway 46, and I had to go back down there and, and scoop his little body up. And I remember being all broken up about that because Pee Wee is a good dog. Long story short. I'm trying better. I'm trying to not focus on the bad and the danger. And it bit me in a fucking ass. And I did something stupid, right? I've been putting my girls on these horses and I always tell them, they're like, daddy, let go. And I'm like, no, what's my job as your father? I always, my girls, if you ask them, what's the job as your father, their job will be, they, they will tell you to protect us. And that is, that's it for me. I'm, outside of that, my job is to um, protect and provide. And there's other things, but that's at the very top of my list. And I've, I've told them, I was like, look, if I put you on that horse and that horse takes off, I can't protect you. There's nothing I can do except watch whatever's going to happen. Well, slowly we started getting comfortable putting the girls on the horses and, you know, they would just kind of walk around real slow. So I asked Poppy, my five-year-old, I said, you want to get up there and show your Aunt Jessica how you, how you sit on uh, King? And she said, yes, sir. And so I grabbed her and I put her on the horse. And man, I'm telling you, the second I pulled my hands off of her, that fucking horse took off. And he ran. Something spooked him. I don't know what it was. And he ran so fast. He was running at a fence. And I'm screaming, poppy jump, poppy jump, poppy jump. And she was trying to jump, but I think she was scared. And so she ended up getting flung off. And she hit the ground. And when she hit the ground, it scared the shit out of me. Now, I didn't have time to think 
about the severity of her injuries, but I remember running over and when I was approaching her, I, I, it, it fucking hurts my heart because when I got there, I wasn't sure what, what condition she was in. It was so fast. She wasn't moving and it took a couple seconds for her to start crying. When she started crying, I knew, okay, all right, she's all right, but she still wasn't moving. And, um, her arm, you know, when, when, when someone hurts themselves, they'll, uh, they'll like pull that body part in close to them to, to, to protect it. Right. Well, she didn't do that. Her arm was just laying out there and she reached out to hold her arm and she didn't pull in. So I knew that arm was probably fucking broke. And, uh, I went to pick her up. My wife's like, don't pick her up. Don't pick her up. And I will not pick her up, but I, I just, I was trying to hold her and she starts freaking out. And then again, our responsibility as a caregiver is to never let people see panic. Right. And so it's hard when it's your kid that I think that was the first real hard lesson as a parent with my kid getting hurt that I was involved in. I've seen them fall down and shit, but it was nothing to it, but this was serious and uh, it could have been a lot fucking worse. That horse thankfully didn't kick her in the face or the head or stomp on her body. As soon as she fell off, he actually turned around because he knew, Oh shit. And it was kind of a beautiful thing to watch. He turned around and he walked up to her and like kind of blew his nose on her let her know that, Hey, I'm sorry. And in that minute I was like, this motherfucker's got to die. And, uh, but then I slowly calmed down. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm thankful on Thanksgiving this year that that scenario didn't go worse. And I, I immediately, it didn't hit me until my, my daughter got back from the ER. Cause my wife and my sister took uh, poppy up to the ER and it didn't really hit me until she came back and I saw her little arm wrapped up and a bandage wrapped all the way around her in a sling and everything. And she, she didn't even come to me initially. She walked right over to the horse and she, she said to the horse, she goes, I'm not mad at you. I still love you. And then she came over to me and she said, daddy, it wasn't your fault. And man, it took everything I had not fucking break down and cry. I mean, I was dying inside and I could not let this little girl see that because it was my fault. It was my fault for putting her in that dangerous situation. It was my fault for, I just wanted her to be happy. And I knew seeing, letting her aunt see her up on that horse would make her happy. And I tried to facilitate that and I couldn't protect her. And that's my greatest fear as a father. And I think as a mother and a father of anybody, I think that's one of our greatest fears is the failure to be able to protect because in our line of duty, in our, in our line of work, that's what we do protectors and we're pretty fucking good at it but man when you can't protect your own people that's a a, that's a a horrible feeling so i immediately i've lived through survivor's guilt a bunch of times over and um i immediately took that scenario okay even though she was back here and she was safe she was just broken up a little bit i immediately started running through all these horrible images in my mind about her laying there lifeless and me not being able to do anything and working on her and everybody's having a good Thanksgiving. And and I I couldn't snap out of it to save my life because all I could see was all the bad to come out of it. But I had to step back at the end of it the next day and be like, you know what? I'm thankful. You know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the fucking lesson. That was a lesson. And I talk about this in the courses that I teach perspective, man, you got to use bad moments to be able to, you got to be able to find good in the bad moments. Cause if all the bad moments in our lives, if all we find 
is the bad. Of course the world's going to seem bad. But she didn't get hurt. And I found some good in it. What I, what I learned is no more of that dumb shit. And I am going to go back to my first responder way of thinking. And I'm going to be more protectful. And that doesn't mean that I'm I'm helicopter dad. But, but there's a difference between being safe and being fucking stupid. And I was being stupid. Y'all, seriously, how does this new studio sound? You got to fire away your comments because I'm not even in the studio. I'm actually in, in the upstairs guest bedroom. And um, there was not a chair in here. So I brought one from downstairs and I got my computer on a little nightstand. I got a notebook and microphone on, on some other fucking TV tray. Y'all could see this shit right now. You would die laughing. Um, let's talk about how quick. Let's talk about how quickly these thankful moments that we have can go back to very stressful moments. And I think as humans, we get, uh, I don't even know if selfish is the word, but, but we forget very quickly. All right. We forget very quickly how fragile things are around us. And we go back to our, I'll just say selfish our selfish ways. So after Thanksgiving, we all go back uh, to Charleston and, you know, I stay out here for a couple more days or whatever. And I got to take my daughter, my oldest daughter to basketball practice because I just missed two from being on the, uh, on the road. So it was important that I go back home and be with her and, uh, take her to practice. So I got home yesterday, Monday during the day and I'm catching up on computer work. I'm catching up on bills and I'm making some, some business phone calls and stuff like that. And the dogs start barking outside. I got a neighbor's dog who's a pain in the fucking ass. He's on the other side of the fence. He starts barking. I'm on the phone with people trying to um, schedule some events. And I end up calling, having to call them back. I go outside. I tell the fucking dogs, y'all need to be quiet. I'm trying not to be an asshole, but I can feel my blood pressure, right? I can feel it like I can feel it getting in a rocket ship onto the fucking launch pad. So I go back in. I start making calls. My kids come home. I hang up the phone. And I hug my girls. I'm like, I'm happy, so happy to see y'all. I can't wait to go to basketball tonight. Everything's fine. Well, their friends come over. Their friends go outside. Now, all of a sudden, the girls are on the trampoline outside the office. They're all screaming and yelling. You know what they were doing? They were being fucking kids. That's all they're doing is being kids. And now, somebody has turned on the igniter to the rocket ship because the, the fucking the noise is getting me. I'm working. And it pisses me off because sometimes I feel like my work isn't taken seriously because I don't have a nine to five job. I'm in the back office at home working. So it just looks like daddy's fucking off all day, but he's not. So I go out there and I politely ask the girls, Hey, I'm in here working. I need y'all to be quiet. Now my philosophy at home is I'm only going to ask you one fucking time. And then if polite doesn't get it, I got to bump it up a notch. I'll go back inside I'm on the phone again. Fucking dogs start again. So I walk outside. Now I'm not nice to the dogs. I tell the dogs, shut the fuck up. I might have whispered something horrible to one of them. Um, Poppy yells at me for yelling at the dogs. Now my stress level's through the roof. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to sit here and defend why to a five-year-old why I'm talking to the dog this way. But what I'm getting at is I'm about to fucking snap. And I'm starting to lose control. And I don't want to because... I've worked very hard over the years to be in control. The problem is I'm in a fucking environment that I cannot thrive in. And that is the message here. If you're not in an environment you can thrive in, you have to get out of that environment. I know that environment fucks me up. I know being home in the city is zero good for me. Not even a fucking tenth 
of goodness comes out of that for me. But I go anyway, and I sacrifice my mental health. I sacrifice my physical health to be there. And all I do is make everybody's day worse. Because here, here's what I'm getting at. Here's where the explosion is about to happen. I go back in. I'm on the fucking phone again, and them kids start screaming. Now I'm not. That's it. That's all it takes. I get up. I start walking out. My wife sees it. She's like, whoa, 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 calm down. I'll get it. I'll get it. And I, was like, I said, fuck no, I got this. And see, that's where I'm getting at. Now I'm being short with her and it, she had nothing to do with it. Now I'm so laser focused on getting to these kids that I'm immediately talking to my wife in a way I shouldn't be talking to her. I shouldn't talk to people like that. And now I'm on a mission to a mission of fucking discipline. <laughs> so walk outside. I don't yell at the girls, but I tell the other two little girls, I'm like, Hey, y'all need to go home. My daughter starts crying because she knows why. And she comes in, tells me I'm mean for doing that. And I told her, I was like, look, I ask you nicely and you don't, you don't respect that. I, and, and Poppy goes, well, you yelled at the dogs. And I go, but I asked them nicely the first time. And I, and, and I actually use that as a training fucking uh, moment. I said, do you understand? Nobody, nobody will respect when you ask nicely, but everybody in every living thing when a hint of violence comes out of someone, when you raise your voice or you change your stance or you change your fucking posture, people and animals take notice and they understand shit's about to get real. I better change. And that's what happened. And it put me in a bad mood because now I'm just like, they don't deserve this. They don't deserve me coming home to a place that I fucking hate because I'm no good. I'm already juiced up when I go to that environment. I didn't decompress before I went there. I was at my farm, but here's the problem. When I left my farm, I actually sit in the driveway every single time and I'm like, fuck, I got to go back to that fucking place. And instead of seeing the good in it, I see the bad and that's what I'm getting at perspective. And I got, I Part of me doing these podcasts is me. I learn a lot about myself too. And I'm hoping through hearing me talk about this bullshit, you can hear and learn a lot about yourself too. I teach this in my course. I work really, really hard on communication, right? And not just communication with our work families, but communication with our, our loved ones too. And I actually say this and I sat back and thought about it last night because Look, I'm not fucking perfect. I'm not going to I'm not going to hit home runs every day. I'm not going to hit grand slams every day. Sometimes I'm going to strike out too. But what matters is we learn from it and we recognize it. See what I didn't do? I didn't talk to my wife that way and I didn't raise my voice at my girls and just leave it at that. Well, that's the way it fucking is. Daddy spoke. I actually came back and I addressed it, sat down with all of them. I sat down with my girls and I said, look, do you understand why daddy got upset? Do you understand why I had to raise my voice? Because when I asked you nicely the first time, that wasn't enough. I had to raise my voice because you didn't respect what I was asking of you. And you, what you should have done is when you heard your friends getting loud, hey, listen, girls, my dad already asked us to be quiet. He's in there on the phone. That's all it should have. My dad never, ever fucking asked us twice. We had that old school saying, I don't chew my cabbage twice because you get shit slapped out of you. But I remember, and I teach this in my course, I talk about when we come home, right? When we come home from the job, whether it be a dispatcher, whether it be a, a firefighter, a paramedic, a nurse, a doctor, um, an EMT, 
Are you able to stop before you get home? Were you able to stop at the door or in your car, your POV, your personal vehicle? Are you able to stop and put all that bullshit to the side before you take it in the house? Because yesterday I wasn't able to do that. Normally I am because I, I try, I try to make a conscious effort to say, you know what? I'm not taking that shit in here. They don't need to pay for, for my bullshit, but they did pay. And I think a lot of times when, when we do come home and we don't think about it, everybody pays. And so everybody essentially Everybody has to walk on eggshells when they're around you because when you come through the door, they don't know what version of you they're getting. They don't know, is this going to be fun, dad, fun, mom, or is this going to be hey, we got to walk on eggshells, dad or eggshells, mom. So that's why I ask like in where we, when we should be throwing rose petals at our, at our loved one's feet, we're not doing that. We're throwing fucking eggshells at them and we're making them walk and we're like, walk on that shit for a while. And tiptoe around that. Don't crunch them. That's essentially what we're doing. By not communicating with them. Or dragging our bullshit from our, our work life into our homes. Or dragging our bullshit from our mental stress into our homes. That's why it's important. I talk about first responders and how we suck at communicating with family members. And we suck at communicating with family members because we want to protect them. But all we're doing is driving a wedge deeper between ourselves and our loved ones. Because... They don't understand why we're fucked up. They just know that we react to everything. And usually we overreact to everything. That's all they see. And they don't know why. Well, maybe if they knew why, they'd be able to understand it a little better. I'm not saying you got to go in there and give them every graphic detail about every call you've ever been on. But God damn it. Let them understand why you might be a little hot-headed when when kids scream, when you have triggers that go on. Make them understand the fucking triggers. Don't they don't just need to know, "Hey, that's a trigger for dad. Why is it a trigger for dad?" Maybe it would be more important if they fucking knew and maybe if they understood, they'd be like, "Oh shit. I don't want to do that to him or her." I'm not saying I'm the example, but I do know that when I do or say things that are wrong, or I think um, the way I handle situations is questionable. I don't leave it at that. Uh, I used to be that way. I used to be like, hey, my way or the fucking highway. Now I'll go back and have a, have a conversation about it. And we all learn from it. And I'm not saying that I'm always right. Because there's a lot of times where, hey, I'm man enough to fucking apologize. Now, I, I, don't, I don't take that pride shit with me um, anymore because I realize that we do have a lot to be thankful for. And at any time we could be stripped of that. And that's what I was getting back to about earlier, just four days before I'm, I'm freaking out like literally within seconds thinking I might've just lost my daughter. And then four days later, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking furious inside and, 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 and a fucking fuse was lit inside of me. How does that happen? How does that, the, the range of emotions that a human being experiences with that it's, it's stressful in itself. Right. And I don't have the answers for that. And I, I started thinking about that, you know, after I was, after I was, you know, upset about, I was like, man, fuck, none of this shit matters. It goes back to it. It don't mean nothing. It goes back to that episode. 
None of this means anything because the only thing that means anything is our health, is that we are thankful to have what we have. Are you thankful? Let me, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you thankful for everything in your life right now? And what are you neglecting? What, what are some things in your life that you probably neglect on a daily basis that you should be thankful for? Simple shit. I'll tell you right now, electricity, water, food, all of that. But most important is the love of your family. Um, you can't, you can't replace that. I know a lot of times with people like me anyways, alpha personalities, we got, you know, we get bullheaded, right? And it's, uh, we had a lot of pride and it's hard to set your pride aside. Now, after this happened with my daughter, I was like, um, she came in there and she goes, dad, I, I know, I know you came home to take me to basketball, but I, I, I just, I, I'd, I'd rather mom take me and, and you can go too. And I was like, what the fuck? And I go, why don't you want me? Why don't you want me taking you? She goes, cause I don't want to get in trouble. It made me feel like a dick. And I immediately went to, <clears throat> excuse me, I immediately went to my personal feelings. I'm, and that's what I'm talking about. Selfishness with human beings. I immediately went to how I felt, not how she felt. And I just remember I walked off. I walked, I didn't say anything. I walked to the office and I was, I was hurt because now I'm like, dude, you're a douchebag. Your own daughter doesn't even want you going to practice because of how how you handle a situation. And I went back there and I sat and then she came back and told me why. And, and so we had another conversation. It was actually good and it was constructive. And that's what I'm saying. It's, it's good to have an open dialogue with your people or with anybody. Um, we're not always fucking right. Uh, I do think I was right in how I handled the situation. I didn't, I didn't berate them. I got, I got pissed off and that's, that's normal. I was talking with my buddy, Randy, and he, and he mentioned it. He's like, dude, the way that you're able to talk with your kids. It's like you have a, a real relationship with them. And it's not there. It's not just like your dad and they're the kids and that's it. It's you have a constructive relationship where they're people and, and you learn from each other. And I was like, yeah, that's how it should be. I mean, we just both kind of laugh because we know that's not how it always is. <clears throat> you know, that last episode that, that I recorded called bouncing rain checks. Well, I'm, I'm proof of that. I recorded that episode and I, and I didn't realize that, that I would bounce one and I bounced a rain check that I can't cash and I feel kind of guilty for it, but you know, that's, that's life. And that's what, that's what we go through. And that's why I try to impress on everybody that you, you are not guaranteed to see somebody again. You're not guaranteed to have another conversation with people. There's always a last time for everything. I've been kicking myself in the ass for the last 24 hours or so because uh, if if you read my book, you know about a lady that I called Miss Melinda. And uh, Miss Melinda is like a second mother to me. And she, I mean, she practically helped raise me. I mean, I, I grew up at this woman's house. I grew up with her son. He's a little bit older than me. My dad and Miss Melinda were best friends for 40-something years. Um, they worked together. Um, had a great relationship with her husband, Mr. David. He died two years ago of cancer. Well, Miss Melinda, she passed away um, yesterday. And 
not to be morbid or anything. We knew it was coming. She had a, she had a pancreatic cancer diagnosis and I would call her from time to time to check in on her. And the last two trips to Florida, she lived in Statesboro, Georgia. The last two trips to Florida, I could have easily went out of my way to see her. It was it was a couple hours, but I passed the turnoff to go to her house. And I was like, you know what? I have to catch her another time. I have to catch her another time because people were selfish fucking human beings. And we always put ourselves ourselves in front of others. And I'm no exception to that. I have a family to get back to and I got things to get in order and I always knew her time was coming, but I just wasn't, just wasn't ready. Like I just didn't think it was going to be this week. And you know, that's how it goes. And my dad came over to help me do fencing. And, um, we got to call that she had a stroke in the middle of the night and she wasn't going to come back from it. And everybody needed to say their goodbyes. So my dad looked at me and he said, Travis, I know you got to get this fencing done. So I'm going to stay here. And I was like, absolutely not, man. I said, get your ass down there. Give me a call. Let me know um, if I need to come down or whatever. So my dad left. He went and he sat by her side and my mom sat by her side and um, she was out of it, but she was squeezing her hand and a tear was coming out of her eye while they were talking. So, I mean, she, she was there, but she ended up, she ended up passing away several days later and I never, I never made it down there. And, and one of the reasons is I, I heard the condition she was in and I like to remember her the way that I remember her. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't try to use this as a cop out or anything, but I've, I've experienced so much death that it's not normal and I don't fucking like it. I don't want to be around it anymore. I don't want to see it. You know, I, I drive, when I drive, I actually dread having to pull up on an emergency scene anymore. It's, I know I'd be able to perform if I had to. But I don't want to because I got enough shit I got to live with and I got enough um, enough battles that I have to battle. And I don't want to see anybody else pinned up in a car screaming and begging for their life. You know, we I, I just don't want to see that. And I don't want to feel that helplessness of um, not being able to do anything for somebody. And so I like remembering Miss Melinda the way that I remember her and, and the way that I remember her was this. She... uh she always took care of me, man. She she held my secrets. I don't know if she ever told my dad or not. She probably fucking did, and he just didn't say nothing. But my dad, when I was growing up, you know, we didn't uh, we we weren't well off, and so my dad, for extra money, he would go shrimping and um, at nighttime after work, and I would go with him during school, even during school days. Like we'd be out there till three in the morning, baiting and catching shrimp. I hope there's no stat. I hope there's statute of limitations on selling bait, sh- baited shrimp. But Dad would catch a cooler shrimp. I'd help him. He'd sell them the next day, or uh, take them back to the house, and I'd have to head them after school. So you know, we'd be out there at three o'clock in the morning on some mornings. It wasn't every night, but it was some nights. And uh, then I'd have to go to school. I'd be, have to get up at five thirty or six o'clock and go to school. No wonder I was second to bottom of my uh, of my class graduating. I was like two from the bottom, <laughs> um, and. I had a hard time staying awake and concentrating, but Miss Melinda, man, I would go over there and she could tell like a lot of times that I didn't want to go. And so what she would do, she'd, she'd fuck my dad up, man. She'd, she'd have a fresh batch of chocolate chip cookies. Cause anybody that knows me knows my weakness is chocolate chip cookies. So she'd have a fresh batch of cookies made and I would get in there and literally while dad was hooking up the boat and I'd, I'd house about 12, 13, 14 of them fucking cookies. And he'd come in and he could tell I was comfortable. It's cold outside. And he's like, I'll just go by myself. And he'd leave me there and I'd sleep on the couch and I'd get caught up on my sleep. 
she's a good woman. And um, here's my favorite story about Miss Melinda was um, in 2015 uh, or 2016, one of those years I can't remember when uh, when my comedy album made its debut, Reporting for Duty. I was so excited because now I had a comedy album coming out on Sirius XM Radio, and I got a full hour dedicated to my album when it was released and when it was released it hit number seven in the top 100 comedy albums so i was excited right that day that it was released my manager kept calling he's like dude we're at number 30 we're at 15 we're gonna break into the top 10 we hit 10 we're at, and it stalled out at seven which is fine because it hung in there for a little bit but you know where i listened to my album for the first time i never even listened to it um the first time i ever listened to it i was sitting in a fucking cornfield in Terre Haute, indiana with guess who with miss melinda and we're sitting in her her denali her yukon at her home because i was on tour in indianapolis and she lived a couple hours away and i didn't want to sit in a hotel that night and listen to it they uh they moved up to indiana for for a few years because they're from where i live but uh they were living up there and i went to Terre Haute, indiana i drove down there to see her and we sat in a fucking cornfield for an hour and listened to that and it brings a smile to my face, man, because that's that's the best memory I have of her. And it's uh, it's just it was um, it's a bounce rain check that I'll never get back. You know, I'll never get to hold her hand and tell her that I love her. But she did know. I talked to her on the phone, you know, several times before she passed, so she knew. But still, it's just one of those you never fucking know, and you never get that chance. So use. Use my story as an example if you want. If you know somebody who unfortunately may be nearing the end of their life, take the time and go see them. You know, put your shit to the side and go be there with them during their, you know, most intimate moments because they need you more than any anything during during those that period of time. I feel like very, very few people like that are personally close to you really hundred percent truly without a doubt support support you so many people i feel like um if you do well if you work hard and and you're noticed by doing some things a lot of people they don't really support that they they want to knock it and they want to find everything wrong with it and that's fine and i've learned as i got older to not worry about that. Like when I was younger, I used to like, man, why is, why, why are so many people not supporting this? Why? But now it's like, fuck them because I'm passionate about what I do. And all I care about is the people that support it. And if you don't support it, I don't really give a fuck. And what I'm getting at is this, whether it be a handshake or words of encouragement, you are who you are because of the people in your life who believed in and supported you. You wouldn't be where you are without the support that you've gotten, whether it be, like I said, a handshake or words of encouragement, you'd be surprised at the the little fires that are lit along the way throughout your life by other people that we never even, you know, give that recognition to. So a lot of times when you look back on your achievements and everything, you think, Oh, look what I did. Look what I did. No, no, no. It's look what we did. We did this. And Miss Melinda, to me, was one of those people. That woman was in my corner with me hooking and jabbing. She knows a lot of the tribulations that I went through when I was out on the road, when I was touring. And um, she was right there, right there with me, just like my mama, you know, and just like very few people in my life know um, 
a lot of the uh, intimate, the really hard intimate stuff. I know I'm I'm a pretty transparent dude, but there's a lot of shit I don't put out there, and it's for it's for certain reasons. But I'm thankful for that. As I sit here after Thanksgiving, and I'm sitting here thinking about all this, it's I'm thankful for. And I know I tell you guys at, at the end of every episode, thank you and all that. And I hope it doesn't fall on deaf ears because I truly am. I truly realize that it has taken every single person that has believed in me. It has taken every single person that has believed in you to be where you are for me to be where I am. And that's, that's hard for a lot of people to do. You got to think it's hard for, it's hard to cheer on other people when you see them doing so well, because what we do is we want to be doing well too. And we want to be out there throwing our fear to the side and chasing our ambitions and chasing our goals. But a lot of us were crippled by that fucking fear. So we never do it. And then when we see other people do it, the natural human instinct is to become envious and jealous and to try to rob people of anything that they deserve because we didn't want to put the work in. We didn't want to take the risks. So think about the people that support you on a daily basis. Literally, really sit down and and think about those people who really support you and, and just think about how special they are. You know, it's, it's hard to sit back and think about that sometimes because a lot of times we just want to look at what we've built ourselves. And it's like, look at this, look at this thing I built, man. I wouldn't have a fucking anything. I wouldn't have anything that I have without the people that have supported me over the years. And I've gotten multiple requests to do, uh, to do some stuff on haters. (laughs) And I don't want to, I don't want to go there because I could go off the deep end with it. Um, I, I've certainly had my fucking share of them. And you know, the the crazy thing is a lot of them are close and I see it. I notice, but I don't say shit because it's, there's no point in it. I don't spend a lot of my time. I don't waste a lot of my time on negative things anymore. And that's one of the cool things about when you get older and you start mature and you start realizing that most shit just doesn't matter anyway. I just want to care about people that care about me and have a good time. By the time you guys hear this episode, um, I can't say who, but there's going to be some good news. Um, I'm, I'm on the cover of a magazine that's coming out. I can't say what magazine because I don't know when they're going to release it. Um, so I can't say anything, but hopefully by the time this episode airs next Monday, I will have posted on social media what it is. And it's cool because it's a mental health story. It's a mental health write-up. Um, my understanding is that it's a six pager and it's the first cover of a magazine. Is it the biggest magazine in the world? Nope. Doesn't matter though. It's a magazine cover and it's one that I'm fucking extremely proud of because of who these people are and what they support and the mission behind it. And I'm hoping that once it comes out, you guys will support it and, uh, you'll tell other people about it and you'll start paying attention to this magazine as well. Cause they're doing fucking wonderful things in the world of mental health and emergency services. Um, having said that again, thank y'all so much for, um, for being on, uh, on this journey with me. I appreciate it. I love every one of you. Bye-bye.